You're listening to Country Music Success Stories featuring Music City mentor J.C. Don Valeris. Now, here's your host, Candy O'Terry. How about joining me on Music Row for a little chat with a Grammy-winning icon? With crossover hits like Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue, Talking In Your Sleep, and the evergreen duet You and I with Eddie Rabbit. You might think that this singer has always loved the stage and the spotlight, but that's just not true. At that time, that crystal was very, very, very shy. When I started out, I do not know really how I got on stage because if I could have hid behind the microphone stand, I would have. The very, very shy Crystal Gale would go on to score 28 top 10 songs, including 12 number one hits, a Grammy, five ACMs, three AMAs, two CMAs, and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We settled into our time together around a nice table in her office, and I couldn't wait to dive into her incredible career and any advice she might have for up-and-coming singers. It's always cool to hear about where a person comes from and just a little bit about their childhood. So I asked Crystal to describe her hometown. Paintsville, Kentucky is where I was born because I was the only one out of eight children born in a hospital. Everyone else was born at home. Everyone else was born, um, you know, at home with probably with a midwife or someone around that was helping. But that was up in Butcher Holler. I guess being the last, my mother said that uh, I was not a mistake, just an accident. But she said she did dance for joy when the doctor told her she was pregnant. And then your family moved to Wabash, Indiana. Wabash, Indiana. We moved there when I was about four. And we had to move because the mines were closing. And actually, you know, Dad went to find work, and he couldn't find anything at the time. So he came back home, and the mom left, went to Wabash, Indiana, and she found a job at a restaurant, and she loved it. She'd write letters and tell us all about it. And when she got everything settled, you know, she found a place to live because she was living with relatives for a little bit. She sent for us all, so we all moved to Wabash, and then she took a mail order course in nursing and worked at a nursing home and then a children's home. So you're one of eight children. You're the youngest. What was it like with all those kids under one roof? Well, being the last out of eight, a lot of them were already gone and out of the house, married and having kids. And I'm an aunt to my nieces and nephews are older, some of them. I was like, okay. It was great having a, a, a large family. And I couldn't wait for the holidays when everybody would come home. It was just special. Controlled chaos? It was controlled chaos. And, you know, my mother's door was never closed. It was open to anyone that came to town. And she'd cook and she'd leave food out and just, you know, anybody that stopped by. One of those nurturing moms. Yes, definitely. Your dad died when you were just a little girl. And your mom became a single mom. She must have had the weight of the world on her shoulders taking care of all of you. He died, I was probably, I guess, eight or nine around in there. It was a tough time for her. She was always strong. She kept strong for all of us. And uh, definitely the weight of the world, but definitely a a strong person. She went on and uh, carried on. She knew what she had to do. Your big sister, Loretta Lynn, you watched her make her way in country music. Do you remember the moment when you decided that you wanted to sing too? Well, I grew up with my sister singing. You know, I loved it. I just I loved listening to her sing. And uh, my mother said I could sing before I could uh, walk. So it was just in our blood. <laughs> and, yeah, I knew I was going to be a singer. Did you see it in your mind? Did you envision it? 
I, you know, I just knew that I was going to sing somewhere. It could have just been in church or just around. And, you know, I'd sing with my brother's bands on the weekends. I'd sing with my friends, had a rock band. I'd go out and try to do that. And, you know, it was just the swing groups in high school, you know, the, the choirs. It was just fun to be a part of it all. So I knew I was going to sing. I didn't know, you know, I was going to really be in the business until my sister said, hey, you come on down. And, uh, you know, she got my foot into the door. But it did not take long for me to realize that I had to make it on my own. It's one thing, you know, to have a family member who's in the business and maybe they open the door for you, which obviously your sister did. But then you've got to walk through and deliver. So in a way, there's more pressure on you, isn't there? There is a lot of pressure on and I've seen it through the years with other people in that business. And to me, my sister gave me the best advice. And she said, don't sing my songs. Don't sing anything I would sing. Don't record that. You go M-O-R, middle of the road. So that's why my music was a little bit more on that easy listening side. But she knew the business. You were creating your own path. Yes. You get signed by Decca Records. You're only 19 years old and you have a hit which is called I've Cried the blues right out of my eyes. The first thing that I want to say is, do we always sing songs about eyes, Crystal? What is it with that? I think eyes are part of my life, you know. <laughs> this song was a big song, your first one right out of the gate. Tell yes. me about the first time you heard that song on the radio. Well, the first time I heard myself on radio was just incredible. You know, I think it was it was actually driving around Louisville, Kentucky, and hearing my song. It was like, Wow. <laughs> Did you turn it up? Of course. <laughs> roll the windows yeah, down, say, say hello. Yeah, Does hey. anybody know? This is my song. This is, my, this is me. <laughs> your sister gave you the advice and you took it that you really needed to sort of forge your own way. And you were signed to United Artists in 1974. You're only 23 years old. You're off to the races with your own style. As an artist, though, you had to find your own voice. So I guess my question is, when you're looking for the songs, aren't they like jewels? I remember Bonnie Raitt once told me, a great song is like finding a jewel at the bottom of the ocean. How do you find that perfect fit? Well, I was really lucky. When my contract with Decca was over, I knew it wasn't the right fit. So United Artists was incredible. I really didn't think I'd find a label like that. And they put me with the best producer ever, Alan Reynolds. So I uh, got with a guy that was a great songwriter. He wrote my first top ten, Wrong Road Again, and Somebody Loves You. Ready for the times. He must have gotten you. He wanted me to put my two cents in. He didn't want it just to be him. So we would sit and listen to songs. He says, I like this. And he said, do you like it now? Do you really like it? Because you are the one that's going to sing it. I was real shy, so he was really taking that out of me, trying to get me to open up. And I was very lucky he had his own studio. So he let me go in and I would record a, a song and he'd say, okay, now why don't you sing it a little bit differently this time just to hear your voice and see what you like the most about it. And it was great because it could be soft, it could be loud. And, and then I got to learn what I wanted to do in my music. Is it true that when you're in the studio and you're singing a song you can feel it, you can hear it, something tells you there's something special about it. I love being in the studio with everything live, with all the musicians, and I actually, Don't Make My Brown Eyes Blue, that was a first take. I did not re-sing the song. I did try, because there was a few little things that I wanted to fix, and it was like, it didn't work. It had to be the live take. It was like we were in a 
club somewhere and all just working together and singing. It was a live take and it felt live. And I think that's what made it so special. And Alan just put strings on it and that was it. It's almost like catching lightning in a bottle that they say, right? Oh, yes. Let's talk about the stories behind a couple of these great big hits. Take me in the studio for Talking in Your Sleep. Talking in Your Sleep. I love that song. And, and Bobby Wood, one of the writers on that song, he had actually recorded it, and it was for a label. He had a contract, and they were going to put it out. Something happened, and it was like uh, a few weeks went by, and I said, Bobby, can I record that song? <laughs> and he said, sure, take it. <laughs> so we went into the studio, and he was also in the studio, great keyboard player. We put it down the beginning with keyboard, but then after everything was done, we decided to add the strings and just have me sing with the strings. You know, I can still see being in the studio at, uh, with Alan and at Jack's Tracks, which is called Allentown now because Garth Brooks bought the studio. It just was so comfortable. Let's talk about you and I with Eddie Rabbit. If I had a dime, Crystal Gale, for every time I've played that song, and it's played every day around the world multiple times, it's a timeless love song. And God bless Eddie Rabbit. Talk to us about what it was like to duet with him. Well, Eddie called me and he said, will you sing some harmony on one of my songs? And I said, sure, Eddie, would you send it to me? And he sent it and I listened and I said, you know, Eddie, I can do a little bit more than harmony. So I went in the studio. Eddie had al already done his part. Oh, now, so you were not in the studio for this? Not, we were not in at the same time, no. And then I went in and there was most of that was alive. I mean, because of the producer really liked the intensity that I was giving. I just had to change a few things just to match him in the choruses. But... Sometimes you do duets and you're both there. But I'd say a big part of the duets that you hear out there are pieced together. What I love about the song is not only because it's timeless. People can fall in love with that song in 2020 and they fell in love with it in 1981 or whatever the year was for that song. But what I love about it, Crystal, is the nuances that you create in your part where you kind of wrap yourself around him a little bit and that's magic again isn't it well you know i lived with his recording you know so i got into his recording uh, the way he would sing it and i tried to put myself with him and how yeah. it, how it would work and you have to do that we would tour together and we had a great time your songs have become kind of like pop culture, I think. I mean, you must look out at your audiences sometimes and see them singing every word. You're laughing every word with you. What's that like? <laughs> well, it's great because they know the words better than I do. <laughs> so if I forget, they could Hey, go. thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I forgot that line. <laughs> and I have done that a few times. And I tell them sometimes, <laughs> overlook it. <laughs> but the thing is that the songs become as important to the people listening to them. They've got their own memories, right? They do. And, uh, you know, I, I'll hear a song on radio and I'll think it takes me back to an area of where I was at. Uh, just all these wonderful memories and, and they're special. So I feel very lucky to have songs out there that have taken people to special places. What is it like to win a Grammy Award? It's great. <laughs> Walk me through it, please. They call out your name. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, it was incredible to, to win the Grammy. You know, I, I still have the dress, you know, I had on. <laughs> Do you sometimes hold the Grammy and say, hi, <laughs> hello? <laughs> well, I was so nervous. All these wonderful people around, you know, that's actors and singers and, I mean, incredible people that uh, I'm backstage with. You were starstruck? I was starstruck. <laughs> 
<laughs> Steve Martin was going around oh <laughs> knocking on everybody's doors. <laughs> it was incredible, I mean, to win the Grammy and to have a song like Don't Make My Brown Eyes Blue. I mean, those songs do not come around very often. And I'm so glad I got one of them. They're timeless. They're songs that go on forever. What did Loretta say when you won the Grammy? She loved it. Did she you was... let her hold it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think she's even held that Grammy. <laughs> you can't hold it. I'm sorry. Oh, this one I'm is mine. One. Where do you keep your Grammys and your other awards? Well, actually, I have some here up front. I have them in the case. Can we talk about your gorgeous hair? I would have been devastated if you'd cut your hair. I don't know what I would have done if I showed up on Music Row in this gorgeous office and you didn't have your long hair. It seems to me that your hair is a part of you. It's a part of who you are. When did you start growing your hair and how many people does it take to wash it? Well, I do my hair myself. I you know, wash it in the shower. I always say it's my American Indian blood that lets it grow and grow. Wow. All the girls, my mother too, had long hair. So it was. it's in our blood. I just saw someone when I was out on the road. My hair was, I guess, to my waist or a little below, and I saw someone to hair it to their knees. And I thought, okay, I'm going to let my hair see if it will get to my knees. So that's how it goes. And then it went from your knees? It went on down. To <laughs> your ankles. And, you know, I think of the a lot of people, they want to have long hair, and they think they have to trim it every month which you don't have to. You know, I keep saying I'm going to write this little, not a long book, but a short hair book. So to give some tips for people when they, because they'll go into a hair a salon, and because they went to school, they know it all, but really, they don't. If anyone should brand themselves as the hair expert, it should be Crystal Gale. I've decided. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We're gonna Here we this. go. We're going to do this. <laughs> you just mentioned your children. How did motherhood change you? It changed a lot. Uh, you know, we were actually getting ready to go to California and uh, get a place out there and do some. I actually was toying with, oh, maybe doing a little acting or just. And then when I got pregnant, it was like, oh, I don't want to raise my kids in California. <laughs> L.A. anyway, so big and just, you know, it was crazy. And I just, you know, just uh, stayed here in Nashville. So tell us a little bit about what it's like to be, well, your kids aren't here to answer this question, so try to be them. What's it like to be Crystal Gale's kid? Well, my son is actually here in this building, so you could ask him. What would he yeah. say? Well, when I look back on my children, I would go to the school to pick up Catherine, my daughter, or take her something, and it was like, Mom, just leave it on that table over there. Don't even come near me. Now, with my son, Chris, it was like, He'd look around and say, hey, Crystal Gale. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. funny. Both uh, night and day. You know, my, my daughter didn't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> I have similar stories about my daughter and my son. You have a Chris and I have a Chris, too. My son is Christopher. Is that your son's full name? It's Christos. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, from my husband being Greek, named after his grandfather. What is the best piece of advice, Crystal, that you've ever received? To me... Being true to myself, um, you have to enjoy what you do. I've had a lot of good luck and a lot of great people behind me through the years. And you take their wisdom and you try to keep your own heart out there. I, I, you know, I, I've always said I've turned down a lot of money because I wouldn't do commercials because I didn't like the product. And, you know, I, I knew that there were a lot of children out there that, looked up to me, and I didn't want to, 
use maybe as hair products. I, if I don't like them, I'm not going to use them. And I'm not going to tell someone else to use it. And I, you know, it was all these different things that were thrown my way. And as I said, I turned out a lot of money. But you have to be true to yourself. What people see on stage is what I want them to know is me. I like to ask women who have the ability to kind of look a little bit in the rearview mirror because they've had a long career. If you could talk to yourself <laughs> when you were at time. Decca Records, <laughs> is there something that you would tell Crystal when she was 19 years old that you've learned now? At that time, that Crystal was very, very, very shy. When I started out, I do not know really how I got on stage because if I could have hid behind the microphone stand, I would have. So I, I think maybe just lighten up. I think I was, you know, wanted to be on time for everything, which I, you know, was pretty good at that. <laughs> but I, it was always this worry of, you know, I want to do everything right or, you know, it's got to be perfect or this or that. That No, it doesn't. You know, you have to have fun. And life is too short. But life is too short. You know, when I started and I had hit with brown eyes, I was so busy. I mean, I wish I had two of me because I had to turn down so many TV shows, so many major television specials. I couldn't do them all. You know, you look at country artists today, and the biggest ones are the ones who were able to have multi-format hits. Mm -hmm. You are the first country female to be able to do that, to have country hits and pop hits. That's pretty fantastic. When we went in the studio, we didn't really look for those songs. We just looked for the best songs that we found in Nashville. It wasn't saying, okay, this is going to go pop. This isn't going to go here. It was like, you know, we just wanted the best writers, the best songs. And I think today, I think a lot of the artists are not looking for the best songs. They're writing their own or, or putting their name on with 20 other people on one song that has a beat. And it's okay, but it's not a brown eyes. And I'm, I didn't write brown eyes. I mean, I wish I had. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the truth. That I think there's so many good writers out there that they're not looking into their catalog because there's some great songs still sitting there that could be big hits. Is there anything on your bucket list, Crystal Gale, that you haven't accomplished yet? Well, I keep saying I'm going to write a book, and then I thought, oh, nobody wants to read that. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> and, of course, it's still recording and having a, a lot of fun in the studio. My last album was a, a classic country album that uh, I co-produced with my son, Chris. And what was that like? We started the album out so I could show Chris what real country music was, songs I grew up singing, songs that meant something to me. They're, uh, songs that, um, you know, I opened for Jack Green. I've opened for Marty Robbins. I, I You know, I look back and I think, wow, you know, I was in their lives a little bit, and they're just so incredible. So I wanted him to see and hear those songs. So, uh, you know, it was great working with him because he comes from more of the what's out there now sure. world, and uh, which is great, too. There's some great songs out there. But uh, still, that was a time of country music that, We'll never see again. It was a special time. And you were part of it. It was a time, actually, of great songs. At the end of the day, what matters most to you? As you look back on this incredible career, what are you most proud of? I'm really proud that I'm still here in this business. <laughs> you know, it's like, who knows? I mean, I feel very lucky because uh, yeah, I, we really didn't go after every hit record. You know, I have had... I know over 20-some number ones, just 
top tens. But the thing is, it was really having fun and connecting with the people out there that listen to your music, that have bought your music. And you know, that's when I go on the road. You know, I'm still doing a little bit here and there. And it's so great to see the people that I I know I'm going to see that I have met through the years. They're they're not fans or friends that I've made. And you're all going to sing some songs together and tonight. We sing and, we, <laughs> and we carry on. <laughs> when an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? You work around it or through it. If there's a problem, you make it not a problem. If you're out on stage and you're touring and you have all the sound around you and a speaker goes out, well, turn the other one around and go on. You just make it work. You don't make it like, oh, the world is falling in. Like I said, it doesn't have to be perfect. If you have your heart out there and and you're having fun, they're having fun too. I have a request. Can we sing the last couple lines of Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue? Yes. Can we do that? Don't it make my brown eyes, don't it make my brown eyes, don't it make my brown eyes blue. <laughs> you guys sound great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> what does success mean to you? Success. Uh, I don't really look at it as success. I've had the awards, I've had this and that, but... It's been a lot of fun, and I've made a lot of good friends that I don't feel like my career is any more special than someone else's because it's what I've loved to do, and uh, I'm still doing it, and success is really what's in your mind. It's only in your mind. That was the inspiring story of one of my idols, Crystal Gale. Hi, I'm J.C. Don Valeris, your Music City mentor. I met Crystal 22 years ago. Hard to believe, right? I've known Crystal for more than half of my life, and the story about how I met her is pretty magical, so I'm going to take a minute to share it with you. I had always wanted to meet Crystal, ever since I first saw her on Sesame Street when I was a little girl. I was in the ninth grade when I found out Crystal would be performing in the town next to mine. Unfortunately, I had my own performance that night, plus a school dance, so there just wasn't going to be time for me to do it all. But fate had other plans. While my mother and I were on my way to my gig that night, we saw a giant tour bus driving past us, and I just knew it had to be Crystal. I begged my mom to take me by to see it when my gig was over, and she did. Somehow, I got up the nerve to jump out of the car and run over and knock on the tour bus door. Looking back, it was a little crazy, I guess, but I'm so glad I did it. A nice man came out, and I told him about my predicament. I had always wanted to meet Crystal, but had other obligations that night. I reached down into my purse to grab the demo I had always carried with me whenever I left my house. It was a self-made cassette tape with my name handwritten on the paper label, a cover of Patsy Cline's Leaving On Your Mind. I just knew my preparation would come in handy one day, and here it was, my big opportunity. I handed the nice man my cassette, and I asked him if he would please pass it along to Crystal. Then, he did something I never expected. He invited me back to meet Crystal after the show. My parents drove me back to the auditorium in my semi-formal dress, and I was escorted through the hallways to meet Crystal. She was just as incredible as she was in the interview that you just heard with Candy. Beautiful and down-to-earth. She thanked me for my demo and told me she had listened to it in her dressing room before the show. I couldn't believe Crystal Gale had actually heard me sing. We took photos and she asked me to keep in touch, updating her on my career. I did. I wrote her a thank you note shortly after that, and a few months later, she wrote back. We would keep up this writing back and forth to each other for years. 
Crystal constantly encouraged me in my career, and she was the first person who told me that Nashville might make a good home for me one day. When I eventually moved to Nashville and ran into her, she was as nice and as encouraging as she ever was, and she still is. The reason I'm telling you all of this is because the one lesson I learned from meeting Crystal was how important being prepared for an opportunity really is. I wanted to share a few examples of how you can prepare yourself for when opportunity presents itself to you, in Nashville or wherever you're working to advance your career in the music industry. Here are my tips. Number one, always carry a business card. Now you might be thinking business cards are so outdated, but they really aren't. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a position to leave something behind with a person that I really wanted to remember me, and my business cards have never, ever let me down. Make sure you include your email, website, and social media handles, if nothing else. And you don't have to splurge. Websites like Vistaprint offer really affordable options. And by the way, there's an art to presenting someone with your business card. First of all, keep your cards in a case that keeps them looking like new. Second, always ask before handing someone your card. Say something like, may I give you my card? And then be sure that the writing on the card is facing them for easy reading. If the other person gives you their card, show some respect by reading it immediately. In other words, don't just shove it in your pocket. Number two, always have some form of music at the ready. Luckily, times have changed and you don't have to lug around a cassette tape like I did. But whether it's on a thumb drive or the link is printed on a business card, don't ever leave home without it. If I didn't have mine handy, I'm certain I would not have made the impression on Crystal Gale that I did. Number three, have a good elevator pitch. Always make sure you are prepared to answer this one very important question. What do you do? You might be thinking, obviously, JC, I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, but picture this. You have a few seconds to make a lasting impression on someone. Are you going to use those seconds to simply tell that person you write and sing? I hate to tell you, but everybody in Nashville writes and sings. You've got these precious seconds to really sell yourself. You've got to make sure you do. And keep it short and sweet. Did you know that the phrase elevator pitch was dubbed by a man who knew he only had the amount of time it takes to ride from one floor to the next to pitch himself? Practice your pitch, a couple quick sentences that will make the impression really last. Tip number four, and what I consider to be the most important thing you should always carry with you, an open mind and a positive attitude. If there's one thing that will leave a lasting impression on someone, it will be the way that you made them feel when they were in your presence. Positivity is infectious, and if you really want to impress somebody, make sure your shining personality is at the ready whenever opportunity presents itself. Tip number five. Remember when I told you that I followed up on my meeting with Crystal by sending her a thank you note? Always, always do that. Handwritten notes or personalized emails, they really do set you apart. They let the person you are connecting with Know that you've gone that extra mile by sending them, and it makes you so much more memorable. I hope these tips have helped you. Happy networking. Another great piece of advice from Music City mentor, J.C. Dawn Valeris. I just love the story about how she met Crystal as a teenager and has maintained that friendship for decades. Relationships are everything in any business, including the music industry. For a free tip sheet on how to prepare for that moment when you meet someone in the industry, just go to candioterry.com backslash country music podcast.
Subscribe to JC's YouTube channel for insights and advice on how to make it in Nashville. If you liked country music success stories, please leave us a review and follow us on social at Candy O'Terry and at JC Don Valeris. We're lining up interviews left and right. Please subscribe to our show so you don't miss a single one. And thank you so much for listening.